Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guests are Isabel Maluani, who is editor of Tudinero Magazine, and Francois Dodaire, who is Tudinero's brand manager. Today we'll discuss Tudinero Magazine and the Latino market. Isabel was born in Havana, Cuba in 1962 and raised in the United States. She is fluent in English, Spanish, French, Portuguese, and Italian. She studied in Paris, France, where she received a junior degree in political science from the Institut d'Etudes Politiques, a bachelor's degree in history from the Université de Paris 4th Sorbonne, and a master's degree in communications from the Université de Paris 2. She began working as a broadcast journalist in 1983 for Radio France International, short wave, as a correspondent for Deutsche Welle, part of the German National Radio. She has also worked as a columnist for the Miami News and has been a contributor to several newspapers in France and the United States. She was a television correspondent and producer for Channel 4, a weekly European current affairs magazine, and an on-air presenter and reporter for French public television, as well as a Reuters financial television correspondent and on-air producer for special live events. Isabel was Reuters Television Bureau Chief, International Media Coordinator in the field of human rights and social development of Brazil's largest nonprofit organization, Viva Rio. She was Brazil producer for Real TV and Paramount Viacom consultant for Media Monday, an international television distribution network, and she was producer and presenter with Gold TV before joining Page One Media as editor of Tudinero. A native of New Jersey, Francois started his career in finance over nine years ago. Early in his career, he saw the void of financial advice in the Hispanic community as an area he wanted to focus on. Developing his career through financial firms such as Merrill Lynch, Smith Barney, and J.P. Morgan Chase, he decided to take on a new challenge to address the market segment he always wanted to serve. As brand manager for Tudinero Magazine, Francois promotes the magazine to Fortune 500 companies. He's working on Tudinero's first-year anniversary event and a fundraising symposium in Los Angeles. Isabel and Francois, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. What is it like to edit a magazine, Isabel? Tell us. Well, um, I'd, say, I'd say, first of all, it's a very big challenge. It's a challenge because you have to uh, coordinate a lot of different areas with the writers, the editorial committee, the readers, where your focus is, and you always have to find a way to come up with very interesting, pertinent, and relevant information for your readers and to make that always new and exciting. And the challenge with Subinero is that it's the first magazine of its kind. There has never been a magazine like this before uh, for the Hispanic uh, public here in the United States. So this is the first and only Hispanic uh, magazine in Spanish for uh, personal finance. And that's very challenging. It's, it's how do you explain um, financial issues and economic issues to the Hispanic public here and make it interesting and informative on a monthly basis, when there's, there's so, then there's a lot of ground to cover doing that. So I say it's a, 
challenging job, and it's a very uh, rewarding job as well. Is it more challenging to edit and produce, and in your case, Francois, to develop a brand for a, a, this new magazine that is breaking ground? I think in in the, I guess, the media, especially print media, it is always a challenge for a new magazine to make it in, I guess, our venues. But for this particular magazine and the void that we're filling, we definitely have a strong market niche. And as I've seen from the result, it's growing stronger than I actually am expecting so far. It's about, are there any particular challenges that are inherent to the groundbreaking nature of the magazine and the fact that it's in Spanish, right? Well, I think I think the fact that, it, that it's in Spanish isn't, isn't a challenge. Um, it, it's, it's an advantage because we're really speaking to the Hispanic public in their language, and so that that's not. I wouldn't say that's a challenge. The challenge is finding the right tone, finding the right focus, and really being very attuned to the needs of our readers. I think that's the, the uncharted territory there. I think that's where you basically are setting the course, and you have to be very tapped into what the community needs and what they're, they're eager for. And what we've discovered is that there's an enormous hunger for, you know, good, reliable financial information so that people can make the right decisions, whether they're thinking about refinancing their home or buying their first home or buying a car or investing in college for their children or buying life insurance or any of these themes that deal with their lives in a very close way. So that's the challenge. The challenge, but writing in Spanish is actually, uh, I think, a, a fabulous boon for the community. How did you decide, how did you identify this need? Was, was there a lot of research involved? How did you make the decision? Um, there, well, there was a lot of factors involved. The, the main factor that started or, or prompted the magazine was exactly that, the, the void that existed now. Uh, editorial television that was approached various times, and they decided in uh, early last year to, to launch this. There was a lot of studies done by uh, Simmons Research on some of the factors, some of the areas that were, were sort of missing out there. And again, it was sort of a simpler study done because of the fact that there is no uh, magazine in Spanish language that addresses this particular market niche. Once they realized that, they said, okay, so we definitely know that the, the, the market is there, but what other factors do we have? The other part was we also have our editorial director, which is Julie Staub, who has been addressing this particular market niche, and it's been going um, in the radios and TV, and we realized it's a perfect segment, sort of another uh, level for us to sort of branch off into and create this particular magazine. So we've seen a little bit of research from Simmons, a little bit through MRI as well, showing us that over and over, there's other magazines that are addressing different areas, but for this market niche, there was very little provided to them. Who is your target audience, specifically? Well, we have various target audience, but the core audience is essentially the family. Um, one thing that we believe in is when making financial decisions, we see that the family is sort of key to who we're targeting. We see it as the young, developing family. Now, the Hispanic market, for predominantly, are sort of younger, so they usually have a mom and dad and the, the children. And we've noticed that it's pretty much for the household income of between forty to fifty thousand, roughly, 
um, that may have an extended family member in the household, but that truly supports or actually argues that family is, is where the, uh, the strength is. So when they have that value, now they're the ones that are going to absorb the information because they're going to be interested in seeing, okay, what can we do for retirement? Should we be thinking about these things? When looking for a home, should we be thinking about a home, perhaps renting for a few years? Is What's the benefit of rising interest rates? What's the benefit of putting our money perhaps in a small business? Or what's the benefit of getting this type of insurance versus the others? So we definitely see it as sort of the family. Um, and again, our mix right now is sort of 50-50 male and female, demographically speaking, and, and the average median age is about 34. So right, again, at the cusp of where people are, are creating their family and realizing that some of these things are really relevant and important to them at this point in time. Isabel, how do you reach out to that audience with the editorial content, knowing that you have a 50-50 breakdown and an average age of 34? Well, we try to gear articles for that public, but we don't. We also, tr- you know, try to appeal to to the wider Hispanic public as well. Um, we have a good mix in the magazine of articles that, for example, we have a section on consumer goods, and those consumer goods can be both um, for men and women for the household. So we're not just it's not just the women's magazine; it's not just the man's magazine. For example, in that sense, um, we have articles that pertain to everyone because everyone's interested about their health or. or how to uh, improve their health or how to save money on health insurance. So that, again, is an article that can go either way at any age, uh, for any age group or for any demographic. And we also try to, how can I say, it's like hone into what are people's needs, you know? What, what are they concerned about? For example, uh, Hispanics, many Hispanics are concerned about sending money back home to their families, which would not be a concern, let's say, for the average American reader but is a very important concern for the Hispanic reader. So we've done articles on how to send remittances abroad. What are the best um, ways to do this? New offers that banks are providing. So there's always, a, we tailor it to what we feel may be the needs and what we've, the feedback that we've gotten are the needs of this community, which is basically first-generation Hispanic and that has a keen interest in being able to invest wisely in the United States and just needs more guidance and more information on how to do that wisely. So it's, it's basically trying to tailor the articles to meet and fill those needs and provide very accurate and reliable information for those readers, sort of to let, lead them through the, the wealth of information that's out there, but putting it in a, in, a, in a way that's easy to understand and in Spanish. How do you do that in terms of what kind of editorial support do you have? How many staff members do you rely on? Well, I have a whole network of writers and freelancers that work with me. And I also have a very good um, art team that we work very closely with, with Page One Media, which provides the editorial content of the magazine. So I have uh, various networks and outlets, and we have columnists who are specialists in their fields. We have columnists who write about careers. We have columnists who write about technical analysis of the stock market, which is a very specific type of column, but that's really for the very advanced reader who has already um, invested in the stock market and wants to go further and wants to understand how to read graphs, how to understand fluctuations of the market. So we, and there are several writers who are specialized who all contribute. And all my writers are all Hispanic, but who have lived here for a long time. So they have that flexibility where they know the, the way the American economy works, 
but they can translate that to the Hispanic reader. Now, when you say translate, you mean the concept. Are the, the articles themselves? No, no, the concept, not the articles. The articles are written in Spanish by Spanish native Spanish speakers. From uh, We have contributors from Argentina, from Colombia, from Mexico, um, Puerto Rican-Americans. Uh, I, myself, am a Cuban-American. So it's, it's, a, it's a mix representing basically what could be a snapshot of the Hispanic population here. Is all of your content produced specifically for the magazine, or are some of these articles pulled from other Page One Media publications, for example? No. All the content for Tudinero is exclusive to Tudinero, and it's all original and our own content. We do have partnerships with the FTC and with Consumer Reports and now with the Small Business Administration, whereby on occasion we will... Uh, include their uh, information. For example, the FTC has very good um, information out there in Spanish on uh, everything from identity theft to uh, how to file a complaint if you, you know, have a, an issue with any any uh, provider of a service or uh, even with the government. And so we we have relationships whereby we can produce some of their their publications, but all the content of Subinero is produced by it's produced by myself and the editorial team and the writers. So it's all original content. Where is it available? Well, basically by subscriptions, and then we are also uh, distributed in newsstands and in uh, several Hispanic you know, centers or areas where there is a large Hispanic population. But Francois can, can um, give you more details on that, I think. Yeah, predominantly, uh, everyone can subscribe to the magazine by, well, Variety of ways, but the main source right now that we've actually worked on has been through our subscriptions. Although they are available at newsstands, we're strongly making sort of a, a stronger reach throughout the general newsstands, but predominantly in newsstands that have uh, Spanish publications in them. Is it available nationwide? Yes, it's definitely a national publication. We have strong, I guess, strong demographics are really in the Los Angeles area as well as, well as Texas area and. How much is the subscription? Subscriptions are nineteen ninety nine for an annual subscription. It's currently at uh, ten times a year. We our issues come out every month except in July and August, which is a combined issue, as well as January, December issue. We all our readers can always call the company we work with is cable and they can reach them at one eight hundred two eight eight six six seven seven and they can subscribe to the magazine. Or through editorialtelevisa.us, and in there they can subscribe to our magazine. For someone who's never seen the magazine before and wants to get a sample copy, mm-hmm. is it also available nationwide, or is that more geographically specific to the three areas that you just mentioned? No, you can be in, in uh, let's say, Chicago and get it. You can be in uh, Atlanta and get it. Uh, so it is nationwide. But with the circulation of the magazine, if you're rolling out, in, let's say, the millions, then you'll be just about every possible venue out there. We have a smaller circulation, and as we grow, we'll become a little bit more saturated in every market. But we do roll out on a national level. So there may be times when you may go into, let's say, a uh, Winn-Dixie or uh, Piggly Wiggly in Atlanta, and you may not find it because that particular 
store doesn't carry Spanish written uh, magazines. Then you may find one of them that does, and then they will have it. You also mentioned a website, Francois. Is there an online edition, or is there a website with information on Tu Dinero? Yes. As of right now, we have not fully rolled out an online edition. Right now, we, we're strictly, uh, strictly rather, sticking to a print venue. And people can actually go on a website. The website is www.editorialtelevisa.us. And in that homepage, they will see the Tudinero symbol along with a few other magazines. They can click on Tudinero and they can subscribe. Or they can also call our 1-800 number, which is 1-800-288-6677. And they can speak to someone either in English or Spanish and subscribe. Now, as far as the, the online version, we, we're going to roll one out. But right now we're looking at doing that perhaps in the first semester of next year. We decided to kind of halt everything, and we wanted to stick to the print right now, predominantly because everyone has, that we've spoken to wants to see the actual hard copy magazine. Eventually, we definitely do see where the magazine will actually be complemented with an online version, so that if anyone misses an issue, can always go there and sort of get a, a preview of what they would expect within the magazine as well. How many pages do you have on average? Well, the book is uh, nine, like 100 pages, mm -hmm. of which a lot is editorial content. It's um, 88 pages of editorial content, 96 pages with, for example, the September issue. That's the average. And we have 88 pages of editorial content each month, for each, well, for each of the 10 issues per year. And, Francois, you just mentioned the circulation. What is your current circulation? Our current circulation is 50,000. And about 70% of that is primarily on subscribers, which is sort of opposite to the norm in the industry. But 70% of ours has been through the subscriptions, and again, 30% has been through newsstands. We do see a stronger growth in 07, but the magazine just launched. Actually, this October will be our one-year anniversary. So going with what we've done so far, it's really been successful this year, and we do definitely see a stronger growth in 07. Isabel, what kinds of topics do you find within the area, of course, that we're discussing, which, by the way, what does the title of the magazine, what does the name of the magazine mean? So the title means your money. Yeah. So within that name, mm -hmm. your money, what specific topics do you find that are that resonate the most with your readers or perhaps that you get the most feedback or questions on? Well, we get a lot of questions on how to, for example, people want to know how to invest their money. That's a very uh, big concern. People have a few savings. They say, well, I have, you know, you know everything from I have $100 saved. What can I do with that? Which kind of stocks should I invest in or is it safer in the bank or where do I put my money? So that's a big concern, investment. And we cover, um, I'd say in our editorial breakdown, roughly about 20% is about investment and advice on investment. Uh, another big concern for readers, of course, is the home. So we have a monthly section on your home, everything from refinancing, uh, mortgages, how the fluctuations in interest rates can affect you if you're paying a mortgage, whether you're renting, acquiring a home, these are very um, 
we feel very strong concerns with the Hispanic community. Another issue, of course, is retirement. How do I plan for my retirement? Um, what are the best options? Should I do a 401k or, or an IRA or a Roth IRA? So those are also issues that affect um, the readers. I think we feel very closely. We have a monthly section on health as it pertains to your money. In other words, we've um, just done a section now on um, preventive medicine. In other words, what employers can do if they provide proper health care for their employees and how actually it's going to save them money. And that's going to be good for the employer and for the employee and for everyone all around. So we're always adapting whatever stories we do to basically how it would relate to your life personally. But I feel that um, people want to know what, what, how can they make more money, how can they save more money, and what are the best decisions to do for, to make for the future of themselves. And as I mentioned, for the family, there's a, a big concern with how can I provide for my children. You know, what do college, for example, you know, how much does this cost? How can I save for college now? Also, and, and, and also areas of, of just basically consumer goods. Like you would find in, in, in uh, I would say in a magazine like Money, is, you know, how do I buy the best car? What, what's the best deal out there? How can I make a wise decision on my vacation? How can I um, save money when I go to the supermarket? So it's full of advice on many areas, but I would say primarily people are interested in finances, investing, saving, the home and health, if I were to break it down into four major categories. Finances, investing? Their home, their home ownership or, or, and, and health. And by and by the whole and, and well of course and then the family you know children and how to prepare for college or, or how to prepare um, for example we're doing a story now on estate planning on wills and estate planning because this is very important and most people don't have a, a lot of Hispanics I think don't uh, have a will don't know anything about estate planning how do I provide for my loved ones when I'm no longer here for example so. This is uh, a topic that we're, we're going to be dealing with now in, in our, one of our upcoming issues because that's concern of, of our readers. And there isn't, as I said earlier, there, there, is, there isn't any other magazine like it where they can get this information on a regular basis and have it presented in Spanish by very reliable sources so that they can make their own decisions from that, based on that. It's, it's the magazine, I think, the mission is to serve as a guide. It's, it's to direct the reader in the right direction and say this is what's out there, this is what's available for you so that you can make the most out of living here in the United States. Elena, if I can also add to that, one of the things you'll notice is there's a very distinct difference between Tulinero and some of the other general market magazines that exist, whether it be Kiplinger's or Money or Smart Money or, or what have you. Essentially, Tulinero does take a lot of the information that is similar in that area but it really relates it to our core audience, and that is the people who just came to this country and perhaps have been here or have been here for a long time but prefer to speak in their native tongue. And secondly, that really, really associated with the information differently. I'll give you an example. When, when you saw probably in the uh, early 1999, 2000, I guess, era, you saw a lot of funny commercials. And in fact, I remember one company, E-Trade, put out a commercial, and I distinctly remember one thing. It was sort of a monkey doing something and picking stocks. And although the, I guess, the connection they were trying to make was that anybody can pick a stock nowadays, E-Trade will help you do it. I still remember my dad, for example, looked at it and said, are they playing with my money? If I go to them, is that going to be the, how they take me, like a joke? And 
that's sort of one of the things that a lot of people look at, and Hispanics for the most part will look at something and look at the information differently. And so although the content is still the same, you have to be able to understand sort of the flavor of how you're delivering some of these things. And I think Suyano has really engulfed the flavor of what these people really want and what they really need and sort of kind of honed it down to their their specific needs. So that's where I think Suyano really takes sort of a distinctive role in not only providing the, the core information, but sort of how we deliver that information to them. And a lot of the things that they've actually had was mainly on personal finance, but a lot of the common questions are how do you protect your credit? And although this information is sort of uh, available everywhere, there are some basic things that we sort of have covered before on things to look out for your credit that may not be so uh, common to some people. They may not realize it easily, but these are things for everyone to look at when they're looking at their personal credit and things to sort of follow up. So if I'm understanding correctly, mm -hmm. it's basic financial information presented in Spanish in a culturally relevant format that relates specifically to the needs and priorities of your target audience. Exactly. Yeah. That's, uh, that, I think that sums it up very well. It takes, it takes sort of a twist. It's some basic, and again, with the technical strategy, it sort of touches on those who are a little bit more sophisticated in sort of looking at stocks and, and looking at some of the details a little bit more interesting. What are some of the more challenging and some of the more the most fun projects, if you will, that you've embarked on with the magazine. I know it's young, you're just turning one this mm -hmm. year, but obviously you've been looking at a new area of, of coverage and trying to define the needs of your audience. What would you say are some of the salient areas that have been fun for you in the editorial side and fun for you, Francois, in the brand development side? I mean, one thing that we want to do, and um, I don't want to jump the gun here, but I would like to establish a way, I'd like to really think of a way to have a closer relationship with the readers. And um, one thing that I think I can see the magazine doing very well would be sort of to sponsor readers and um, who have very uh, interesting projects that they like to develop and really become a forum for exchange. And one way of doing that, um, we're planning... To uh, launch a sort of a business proposal, business plan contest, whereby readers would submit their own um, I, their own business plan for consideration, and the magazine could sponsor that kind of thing, where you stimulate the reader to not just get this information, but to act upon it in an intelligent way, and that they can uh, empower themselves through the magazine and start up their own businesses or expand on an existing business or become, basically the goal is for them to become financially independent and well-informed. So the, what we're looking for, what, what would be fun for me, I think, would be to think of ways to really um, have that rapport with the reader and that the magazine could serve as a forum for all sorts of ventures and, 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 and success stories, I would hope, you know, that it serves that purpose. Because that, to me, is really the mission of the magazine. Give information to a community that, that really needs this information in Spanish and that hasn't gotten it ever anywhere else, and that with that information they will be empowered, and that they can become a vital part of this country and and really understand the workings of the American economy and prosper with it. And that's the way that I feel that the editorial mission of the magazine would be fulfilled by doing that sort of exchange with our readers. 
So that's something that I would find editorially very interesting to do and very useful. I think you hit the nail on the head with pretty much doing exactly what the mission of the magazine is, to sort of give that empowerment to our readers. One of the things that, on a brand level, obviously we're still new, we're still developing, but on a brand level what we've noticed is that our readership has done something that has sort of surprised us a little bit, and that is we constantly get asked for back copies of the magazine, and that sort of shows us that our readers are really, really happy with the information and are really wondering what they missed beforehand. And again, that also shows us how important they take education. So one of the things that we've actually started talking about is definitely creating the online version so we can actually show people some of the back issues to give them an idea of some of the topics that we've covered so far and some of the things that we're still developing and some of the things that we're going to cover in the future. But one of the things, one of, I guess one of the other extensions we want to do is sort of get in contact with our readership uh, on, a, on a big major brand level. That's why we're kicking off our national symposium where we can get a feel for our readers a little bit more and get some, some questions from them, some sort of interaction with them and sort of develop a few things on the side with them as we get information and, and all this, I guess, questions answered by them. We definitely get some emails and we definitely get some of the, the I guess, suggestions. But one of the things that we did probably actually was this past March, we had an event or a small event. And during that particular time, we had a lot of interaction with some of our readership. And we look forward to now seeing what some of the feedback is like this upcoming November. Now, what is the symposium Francois, would you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. This upcoming November, we're doing a symposium. It's going to be a financial symposium in the L.A. area. But what we really did was sort of change the backdrop. What we're doing is we're once again going towards the values that we feel are most important to our group, and that is the family. And essentially, we're going to tie into a philanthropy where we're going to really realize a few things. The event is to be kicked off on November 19th, which is... Sunday right before Thanksgiving. Now, that being said, that's probably the time that everyone is perhaps the most open towards, uh, I guess, gift-giving and thinking about those that they're grateful for. That being said, the premise of the whole symposium is to sort of relate to everybody what we're here for and how to manage our finances and how to keep the family tighter together by working out some of the crises that we go through, whether it be emotional whether it be uh, physical, whether it be health. And so we're going to cover a variety of topics specifically stemming from the finances, but we're stemming off into the branches of the family and, again, the health and different things that we sort of deal with so that everyone just sort of keeps in mind right before we go into the holiday seasons of all these things and get caught in a shuffle, what we're grateful for and what we should be evaluating and sort of grateful for altogether. And, again, that will be kicked off this November 19th in the L.A. area. This is a finance-oriented event. Does it link directly with the editorial part of the magazine? Isabel, for example, are you involved in that? Yes, I'll be taking part in that, of course. Yeah, because that, that ties in. We, so we have, it ties in with what we're trying to do editorially as well. So it's, it's a way of linking everything that we've been doing throughout the year to our articles and pointing out those strengths and, and going back to those themes and, of course, mentioning that in the, in the magazine, definitely. I've noticed that it seems to be a growing trend to have events, not just from the traditional event organizing companies, but more and more 
from editorial publications and magazines. Is this a way to get closer to your readers? Is this a way to remain financially viable, to develop your brand? What are the reasons that you launch into event planning and management, which seems to be very labor-intensive? Sure. I think, I think it's sort of trifold, and the first of which is obviously to make that connection to our audience, our core readers. So advertisers look to us to sort of connect with our core audience, and that's where sort of we look at the whole gambit. When we look at it originally, we said, okay, what would be the, the needs that our readership would want addressed? So we create an event where it sort of branches off and gives us sort of a tangible situation with our core audience. So we can write great articles, but every now and then we need to connect with our core audience. This is probably the best platform for us to do so. Advertisers definitely love it because it also gives them that same connection and can understand and see how some of the, the, the things they do with us come to life. And finally, to the actual consumer, they prefer it because now not only can they just go to an event and see what we're about, but they can actually talk to us and see what else they can give us input. Now, that being said, some of the suggestions that we had on our last event, uh, this is back in March, was a lot of information they gave us on, on some of the material that we were putting on the, uh, the magazine and a lot of how we were rolling out, where they wanted to see the magazine more, and some of the topics that they brought up to our attention on what they wanted to see more uh, our editorial staff take part in. So we incorporated some of their suggestions in some of our, our articles. And again, so it, it sort of connects all three, both us so that we can understand how to continue growing our, our market for the advertisers because they really want to make sure that they connect with our audience and for our consumers who are actually reading us that may make more suggestions that we should be anticipating or at least looking down the line. What percentage of the event content is sponsored or advertorial and what, if any, of the presentations are editorial in nature? We still haven't broken down the exact, uh, I guess, specifics on that. But more than anything, I think the, the core of it is going to be all on material. We're going to have guest speakers on, on different topics that we're touching based on, and, and we want to make sure we sort of include experts in their fields on these areas. So we still haven't come up with a specific breakdown of which, which percentage would be what. But on most of these events, what we usually do is give uh, some of the sponsors or advertisers some space in the venue so they'll have a table and they may have sort of a, an advertising wall where they'll have their information. They'll also perhaps get a piece of the, uh, uh, the brochure for the night, for the event, etc. cetera. Uh, but we still, again, have not come up with a definitive breakdown of which percentage would be what. For the marketers and advertisers in our audience, are they able, for example, to give a presentation to pay, as it were, to present a product or a service to the audience, or is that strictly for editorial presentations? No, we want we want to be able to actually branch that off to them. We definitely want to be able to connect one of their products or one of their uh, um, initiatives to this core audience. That would be actually, this is exactly the, the the platform or stage, if you will, where we want that to occur. As long as it correlates to some of the topics that we're touching based on and we're trying to communicate. As long as we see definitely the value of that same connection, we definitely want to have this as a platform for them to bring that to their to their the forefront of these people and have our consumers read it, see it, understand it, or get an explanation of how it is, sort of away from what they 
topics that we're trying to touch on, and you know the value is actually presented right there on on, uh, on stage. What is the if you know what is the admission going to be? We haven't clearly set that aside right now. We're we're talking a few things, um, but it would be in a ball ballpark of between five and ten dollars a person, and we're looking at uh, donating a good percentage of that, if not the entire thing, to a philanthropy. So that's going to be sort of our connection there. Isabel, back to you so that you don't get too quiet on the editorial <laughs> end. Would you tell us a little bit more about how you decide the content for each issue for the public relations practitioners in our audience if they have topics or products and services that they would like to propose for articles how do you go about making those decisions? How far in advance, et cetera? Well, we, we um, to give you an idea, I mean, we, we close earlier, like a month and a half before the magazine actually goes out on the newsstand. So we plan pretty much a, a fair amount in advance. Um, the magazine is broken down into several sections. So we, um, basically, I and the page one editorial team, but primarily myself, I will map out the themes that will go into each of those sections. And then we'll have a, our editorial meeting and, and brainstorm initially. But basically, everything is assigned pretty much in advance. And we're, I'm very open, as, as it's also to, to suggestions. For example, um, we were approached recently by a, a very big corporation that, that was interested in the magazine and wanted to know more about us and, and um, what is our role and perhaps work with us and so we're you know always open to that kind of uh, input and where it's pertinent editorially then we can um, work with them and say yes well this is an interesting um, field for example we just did a, an article for our uh, October issue which we closed in um, like two weeks ago or a week and a half ago which won't be out on the newsstands until October but we did a story on uh, McDonald's because they have a very good scholarship for Hispanics and this, I felt, was a, a, a good story to do because it was, uh, it's helped a lot of Hispanics. It's, uh, it's a very big presence nationwide. And there are people that, who may not know about it, but it can really help them get ahead. It's, edu you know, scholarships for especially continuing education and so that kids don't drop out of elementary school or, uh, sorry, um, secondary school and, and high school. So that, those kinds of, uh, you know, arrangements we were very open to. When um, someone approaches me and they say, you know, I'm, I have this to, to propose, if there is a true link with our community and our readers, there are there's there, there's several sections of the magazine where we will do those kinds of articles because they will help our, the, the Hispanic community, which is the purpose. Would you share some details on your editorial calendar? Well, for the remainder of, of the year, um, our October issue, our September issue, let me start there, our September issue is, um, our cover story is a, is a career guide. And basically, it's the top ten jobs right now in the United States, the top ten sectors which are hot, and where people can find uh, new opportunities, or if you're already in that field, you can get more information, additional training, uh, very useful websites, advice on how to move ahead in your career, if you're planning to change careers or if you're just beginning to, to go on to the job market. Our October issue will have the auto special, and that's 
a very comprehensive guide on buying a car, because, a new car, the 2007 model, because that's the second most important purchase for many households after buying their own home. And what we've done there, the way we've presented it, is that we've taken, for example, the rankings of J.D. Power, we've taken experts from Consumer Reports, and we've taken independent experts and sort of offered the reader various options and say, here are these three different experts. And we basically have um, 18 cars that we've profiled as, as good options on criteria such as uh, safety, reliability, miles per gallon. We've done a special section on hybrids so that people can make a wise decision with as much information available. And then we've also done a section there on financing. How do you finance a new car? Um, what are the different modalities? How, does it, how much uh, will it cost? What is the sticker price? What, how can you negotiate with the dealer? All that kind of information that is very new for the Hispanic community. So that, for example, was our auto issue. In November, we're doing a story. Our main story will be on a gift-giving guide, but in the sense of how to prepare for the holidays and spending time with your family without um, going broke. You know, how can you do this wisely? How can you enjoy your holidays and at the same time not spend, you know, not throw your money out and, and spend wisely and enjoy it? And that will include, for example, uh, our travel section that month will have um, advice on cheap airfare and what are the best tickets and the best options for going to Latin America because many Hispanics will travel to Latin America or their, their home countries to visit family or will bring family over for the holidays. And this is where, with, where we were mentioning earlier how the magazine is really tailored to the needs of the Hispanic community because you wouldn't find that kind of information in another personal finance magazine out there in English. They wouldn't have that specific need that the Hispanics have. So, and then our year-end December-January issue is going to be uh, a look back at 2006, what were the best investments, what were the investments that didn't fare so well, and a look ahead. What, are, what can you do now to make 2007 a very prosperous year for you and your family? And what are the, the guides, what are the top 10 investment areas to be looking forward to in 2007? And we have a, also a mid-year investment guide in July, August. So in, every year, there's a, and, and those, those are big stories, those are big cover stories, where we dissect several investment options and present those to the reader. So they get a smattering of everything that's out there and what are the advantages and disadvantages or the risks of, or not or not risks at all of any type of investment they may be considering. I just I think well, what I've basically what I've what I've what I've been trying to say is that I think there's there's something in Sudinero for everyone, and even if you're some of our readers are, are young as well, uh, we have thing we have articles on. People who, for, for people getting, you know, just graduated, how can they get a job? How can I get an internship? Um, how can I invest? I'm 20 years old and I've got a thousand bucks. What can I do with it? Should I start my own company? Should I buy a home? Should I go into the stock market? So we have articles that cover, I, I, I think, almost every imaginable aspect of the financial market, the general economy, and various sectors of, of, of your daily life as they pertain to your money and how you use that money wisely. And I think that's what makes it very interesting. It's a very um, readable magazine. I think it's very close to the readers, very approachable, and it's full of very useful information. And that's why Trust was saying the readers keep the issues. They 
pass it along to someone else. You tell their neighbors about it because it's information you wouldn't get anywhere else. And it's useful information they can use later on. I mean, perhaps somebody isn't going to buy a car now in October when our auto special will come out, but they'll have all that information there when they'll buy a car maybe a few months later down, down the line. So that, I think, is what we try to do every month editorially, is to give a, a very a, a balance of coverage on all these issues that are important to our readers and to present it in a very direct and easy-to-understand way. Should public relations practitioners who have ideas to propose send them to you in English and Spanish? Or if they only have them in English, is that still okay? That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and how can they get those to you? What's the best way? Fax, phone, email, snail mail? All of the above. I would say the easiest way would be to, to um, email myself or Francois, and um, we can, I can provide you with my email if you want, but, but I, or call, or call the, the, um, the, the magazine directly. Our number in Miami is uh, 305-492-0070, and, uh, and make suggestions. And I'm very open to, to any sort of input. You also mentioned that you like having the information sent to you by email. What yeah. email address should they use? The email the, to reach me is at uh, Isabel, I-S-A-B-E-L, dot Malawani, Amazon Mary, A-L-O-W-A-N-Y, at page, P-A-G-E, one, the number one, uh, media.com. For... Press releases for any kind of editorial ideas, they should call or email. Or write to me. Okay. Now, we also may have some listeners who are interested in proposing their services as freelance writers. I know you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. that you work with a number of different writers. What kinds of stories are you interested in, this is a force of interest to both the writers and the public relations practitioners, what kinds of stories are you interested in and what kinds of credentials are you looking for and what, if any, opportunities are available in that area? Well, right now I, I have um, basically my, my team of writers, but um, I'm always uh, open to, to new writers and, and freelancers who want to contribute. I'm looking for writers who have solid, of course, obviously Spanish, you know, who write well in Spanish, who are close to the Hispanic community, and who have solid economic and financial background, but not exclusively to that. So we have some writers who have more of a general news background and also writers who are more specialized in the financial market. And that, that would be what I would be looking for in a writer. And... Um, it's important that they're close to the Hispanic community because these are the people they'll be interviewing for the stories. Uh, most of our stories, if not all, I would say, always uh, we always try to find a real example, a real-life example of whatever it is we're talking about. Um, we did an article recently on, for example, people who invest in a property because they, they, they plan to rent it and make money off the rent. And this sounds like a good idea, but in many cases, um, they have to be very careful because you, you, can, you can get the, the, the you know, renter from hell. You can have a, it can be a nightmare if you don't do this properly, and it can be very expensive. 
if you don't protect yourself as an owner. And so we did a whole series of what, what to do if you're an owner and you're renting your property, uh, advice for the owner, and advice for the person who is renting as well. And we're always getting examples of people who've gone through these situations and who can relate very directly to our readers. So I would say the writers really have to be, that's all the writers that I have are, are Hispanic because they, they, they know the community they're speaking for or through, and that's really important. I think there's a very different uh, way of dealing with news if you're dealing with the Hispanic public or if you're dealing with the general public here in the United States. So that, that to me is very important, and then a, a solid economic and journalistic background, of course. In terms of the reception that you've had, I'm hearing you say from the editorial side that your readers are very enthused to finally have access to some of this information. Have you encountered resistance from the English-dominant marketers who are less familiar with the nuances of the market because you're a Spanish-language publication or just because you're a new publication? How? What kind of reception are you getting from that respect? Well, in, in that respect, I think for anyone in the industry, you're always going to find certain obstacles that are, are set forth. For example, they, most companies, they have metrics that they need for you to fulfill, and if you don't have certain, certain metrics, then you don't meet their standards and you are probably somewhere they won't invest because they don't believe in, in anything that doesn't fit that particular cookie mold, if you will. What we've been able to tell those and other advertisers is uh, take a chance with some things that you may not be familiar with. For example, some companies do not advertise if you have not had two years of existence. And obviously, that's something that we tell them, well, you know what, you're going to miss out because in the end, this is definitely a market niche, and although we don't have that two-year, you have to look at this a little bit differently. You just can't look at it as every other magazine you've ever looked at. And some of them have been more receptive and looked at it again and said, well, maybe you're right. You don't, you know, you don't fit the regular mold when this when the thought of this two-year particular uh, uh, metric was put in place, it was because most magazines overlap. This one is different, and perhaps we may be able to sort of tweak that and remove that particular. So some have been really open-minded. Others have stayed with the course with what they've already had, and we've been able to meet with some of them, but we still find that as an obstacle, sort of an uphill battle, if you will, for us to sort of get to them. Eventually, I think we will make better strides and better segues as some of the research also sort of is sort of streamlined, a lot of companies also depend on one particular company called MRI for their research. But in the Hispanic market, we've noticed for us, it's been Simmons that have had better research information for them. Now, in the general market, they depend more on MRI, and that's great. But for the Hispanic market, they need to look at something, someone like Simmons when it comes to this particular type of research that has done a better job of sort of molding the Hispanic market overall. So that's one of the examples that we sort of face over and over. But, again, every organization or every um, magazine, if you will, will definitely have these obstacles. But so far we've done pretty well and we're making bigger strides as, as a year sort of takes place and we go into our second year. What sort of tools, branding and marketing and advertising tools, are you using to penetrate the market, for example, are you piggybacking with some of the other publications, the editorial Televisa publications, 
Are you working with marketing and branding agreements, for example, media partners? What other tools are you taking advantage of? As of right now, we really haven't piggybacked on too many other products or others, uh, except for within Editorial Televisa. Having, I guess, the, the parent company, Editorial Televisa, it really benefits us in a variety of ways. Editorial Televisa has over 16 titles, and through their own magazines and through some of their readership, we've been able to promote ourselves. And again, because we have over 16 titles, we definitely have a good control of the audience overall that are Spanish-dominant households. So that gives us sort of the first segue where we were able to start off and get uh, our, our readership to where it is today. The other parts have also been different partnerships. We did start one with Citigroup where we were able to pretty much market to all of their households that were receiving their statements, their credit card statements in Spanish. So that also helps us bring over some of our readership right off the bat. We are entertaining a few more of projects coming down the line uh, to sort of grow both for our circulation and for our advertisers, but we really haven't done too many projects overall. I think uh, as we start to enter our second year, we're going to actually be able to execute some of the plans that we started to talk about um, and be able to fine-tune it at the beginning of our second year. Now, although the magazine itself is a new venture mm -hmm. and Isabel has just joined you recently, you are, in fact, part of a much larger organization, as you were mentioning a minute ago, which is Editorial Televisa. I think maybe some of our readers have heard of some of your flagship publications like Vanidades and Buen Hogar, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the parent company. Sure. Edit, well, Editorial Televisa is actually owned by Grupo Televisa, which is based out of uh, Mexico. Now, throughout all of Latin America, we are the biggest media conglomerate. Now, we own a percentage of uh, Univision, and we're recently in talks to try to buy Univision, where we would sort of partner up a few things. That did not sort of fall through. However, as the biggest Latin American media conglomerate, we have also looked at other ways to sort of expand our brand. Right now, our core focus is to sort of become the biggest Spanish language. Well, actually, we are in the U.S., but we want to become a bigger U.S. Uh, magazine publisher, if you will. What we've noticed is we've got the strongest hold, not only in being the biggest, but also in the different market niches. Uh, Televisa as a whole owns uh, an Internet company, owns uh, pretty much a, a Hollywood, if you will, in Mexico. Uh, it is a publicly traded company, and go figure, our ticker symbol is a TV. So for a foreign company that's to have ticker symbol TV, that's a pretty strong indication of where they went. Um, it is traded on the U.S. as an ADR, uh, American Depository Receipt, and it, it's done pretty well. Now, what we're trying to do right now is sort of branch a few of the projects that have been done in Mexico and bring them over here, and that's what we're in this sort of trying to get our stronghold on. But lo and behold, Televisa as a whole has been expanding and is looking to further, obviously, expand in the U.S. They tried recently, but I'm sure that'll come into fruition in the near future once again. What types of advertising opportunities are available, Francois? Can you tell us a little bit about that? We've talked a lot about the editorial, but can you give us some insights on the ad space that's available and perhaps some pricing? Sure. Right now, our pricing is, uh, our open rate is 7000 
400 for a full paint ad and we sort of go down the line. We definitely do more negotiating when it comes down to buying in bulk, but if you buy more pages, we definitely discount it. What we try to do for all of our clients is we try to create packages that really address their needs. Uh, some companies have uh, sort of, again, a metric sheet where they'll ask for three pages, five pages, ten pages, and, and sort of a straight down the line bulk prices. But what we try to do is we try to bring each advertiser that comes in to us and create a package that might actually jump off or sort of bring a call to action, if you will, to some of the readership. So what we want to do is make sure that not only are they advertising, but they get a direct return on their investment with some of our readers by creating programs that may get them more interactively involved in their product. For example, we rolled out one pro project uh, that actually may be taking place towards the beginning of next year where there would be a sweepstakes wrapped around a web page where people would actually be called to uh, answer some questions and participate in the sweepstakes. We did another one right now where we're actually uh, trying to get sort of a gauge if we can get some people, and again, back to what Isabel mentioned earlier, some of the business plans, we want to roll out something where we have an advertiser sponsor the business plan part and have people submit their business plans and we're trying to make the whole connection where perhaps they may be sponsored also. We're not sponsored necessarily, but given some stronger insights as to how they can develop their business and, again, tie in the advertiser to this whole thing so that the people get to see not only are these advertisers advertising, but they're actually involved in part of the process and projects where people are asking us, how do we create a business? And they get involved in business plan sort of uh, strength. We have a lot of those on TV. If you, if you turn today's TV, you have a lot of reality shows where people are doing different things. We want to bring something sort of like that to our readership on the magazine level, but something a little bit stronger where they're not on the limelight of a TV, but behind the scenes are being helped with some of the things that they're doing and trying to develop their businesses. So we have a few things. We also try to do different, uh, I guess, segments uh, on a quarterly basis where we may devote something to an advertiser. For example, we have had someone working with one of our advertisers that writes tax tips once on every issue. And they really love that because some of the feedback they've received were that some of these little things were, were hidden gems, hidden jewels, if you will, where they didn't realize they could do certain things. Again, when Isabel mentioned earlier, some of the editorial content that we're going to have has to do with estate planning. The first question that I've always encountered was, well, estate planning, isn't that for the rich? And, and I think this, these articles or these this particular segment is going to explain that it's not only for the rich, it's not only for the poor, it's for everyone to be aware of. For example, a will, you don't have to be rich or poor, but if you have children, then you definitely want to understand why a will is really important for your family. And, and again, that's something we could always tie in and advertise to kind of help them support and explain some details, some of their expertise, or some tips that we may want to kind of go over as well on a weekly, I'm sorry, on a quarterly basis. What tips would you share with our marketing and media and public relations listeners in terms of effective ways to connect with Latino consumers. What would you suggest if each of you perhaps could share three or five tips? The best connection I think that I've, I've, I've overstated many times is the family. One thing that I know about Hispanic households, it's very family-oriented, and they believe a lot of things they want to do has to be to the core of their family. Now, sometimes it, 
because of the way we exist here in the U.S., we have where the children actually get the information first and then sort of you know, bring it to the parents. And sometimes the parents use the kids as a sounding board and say, what do you think? Ultimately, the parents are the decision makers. But the, the entire correlation of the, the children and the family is something that they have to understand right off the bat. They don't necessarily want to segment it and say, are you more of a male magazine or more of a female magazine or more of a, a younger audience magazine? I think our advertisers would benefit most if they understand that it's a family magazine and if they're talking about certain things that will hopefully spark the interest of the child and then give the parents something to talk about, then that would probably give them the most strength because now you've hit the family from two different areas. Other tips I would always say is just being sort of uh, present in the Hispanic market. One thing that the Hispanic market sometimes may be hard to penetrate, but one thing that can be said of them is that they're a very loyal uh, audience. So once they believe in your product, they can stick with you. As long as you give them sort of an area for them to always reach out to you as well. Some advertisers have done a good job of creating a stronger infrastructure of receiving phone calls. So if, let's say you're bringing out a product and you have an 800 number they can call to ask more questions about, they've seen a stronger response because people have asked questions on those products and wanted to sort of either dispel some of the myths that are out there on this type of product or learn more about how that product can help them. So I think those are the things that they need to understand, really have a stronger infrastructure for the Hispanic household and as well as sort of reach the family values at, at, at every household. To get closer to the Hispanic public, I think you have to speak to them in Spanish initially as well. And that, again, is why Tuvinero is unique in that aspect. Um, I think there you have to be in tune to the idiosyncrasies of the Hispanic community and speak their language, focus on the family, because, and I, I agree with Francois there, I think that's very important for, for Hispanics, um, focus on their specific needs, which are different than the needs of the, the mainstream uh, community in the United States. And I would say... Keep it simple, but, 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 you know, be honest in what you're doing. You know, give people straightforward information, and I think that would really interest the, the um, audience. If, if, they, if you give them information they can't get elsewhere and you present it in a very clear way, I think that, and, and you are pointing out that you are attuned to their needs, I think that would be uh, my advice for getting closer to, to the Hispanic public whether they're readers of a magazine or consumers of a product. I think that's really crucial because I do feel that the Hispanic population here is very diverse, and yet at the same time there is uh, a definite Hispanic way of being that is very different from the other um, immigrant groups in the United States or from the Americans who have been here already for several generations. Thank you, Isabel and Francois. Thank you, Elena. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you for joining us today, and to our audience, thank you for listening to Isabel Maluani, who is editor of Tudinero Magazine, and Francois Dodaire, who is Tudinero Brand Manager, brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority. Please share your comments, suggestions, questions, or ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. 
That's editor at hispanicmpr.com. For more information on how to reach Hispanics with marketing and public relations tools, visit our resources section at www.hispanicmpr.com. That's www.hispanicmpr.com.